The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 100th edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, early stage, and all small businesses, and is heard right around the world at the same time every week. Now, we began this journey about two years ago, and in that time, we've discussed 370 topics. We've interviewed 164 of the top movers and shakers in the world of business, entertainment. We've talked to Olympic gold medalists, best-selling book authors, and I've answered 190 emails from listeners. It's because of you that we're the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. Thank you. I'm actually coming to you today from the India Retail Forum at the Renaissance Hotel in Mumbai in India. So no matter where you are in the world, it's 5.30 a.m. here. It's 5 p.m. in L.A. Sydney, it's 10 a.m. And in London, it's 1 a.m., but it's 5.30 here, which is early. So I'm sure you've seen the advertisements proclaiming Incredible India. Well, I've been here several times, and I've got to tell you, those ads are right. This is my fourth time in India and my third keynote presentation for India Retail Forum. It's an extraordinary event. There are 2,500 delegates here representing all of the major retailers, not only from India, but from across the world, including the companies like Ikea and Disney and Walmart and Unilever and Procter and & Gamble and Coke and Nike and Pepsi and Marks and & Spencers, just to name a few. But it is an extraordinary event. And uh, there's 175 speakers and panelists, and they represent the creme de la creme of every industry, traditional media, promotion, new media, merchandising and they're talking about every single topic imaginable so it's it's staged by images india who stage a lot of the really major events here and it's it's just fantastic it's brilliant and it's they're one of the best conference organizers on the planet now india is just one of two giant emerging countries china being the other And retail development in this country is quite extraordinary. The malls that they're building across the country are fantastic. And, uh, you know, they've gone from mum and pop shanty retailers to a very sophisticated retail environment. A country that's got 67 million smartphones, the use of social media and location-based media is well-developed. Of course, the other aspect of the trip 
is that um, I get to do a little bit of sightseeing when I'm not speaking. And all of the people we've met here in India have just been wonderful and, and so helpful. It doesn't matter whether they're at the Park Hotel in Delhi, which was which was great, the Renaissance in Mumbai, the service is brilliant and the people are just so friendly. Um, had a absolutely wonderful guide in Agra and uh, his name is AJ Narayan Bari and I recommend AJ to anybody who's coming to northern India to um, the reason I was here was to have a look at the Taj Mahal and I've got to tell you it is just breathtaking it is an extraordinary place just extraordinary and uh, for anybody who's planning to come to India you've got to go to the or put it on your bucket list come to India see the Taj Mahal and uh, there's three heritage protected sites in just in Agra alone and it's fantastic but um, AJ was brilliant you can get AJ at discoverindiatours.in if you're interested that's AJ and he's at discoverindiatours.in and uh, he was great so wow big big day today two and a half thousand people in in the room and um, it goes for several days and there are a lot of um, plenary sessions, a lot of breakout sessions and then the big keynote um, which I will be doing and uh, it's, it, it's interesting. It's a great opportunity. Now, entrepreneurs are people who revolutionise business. They create opportunities for others and they change the way we think and they change the way we'd live. And uh, greater entrepreneurs have an impact on all of us for generations. So who are the greatest entrepreneurs of all time? Whose accomplishments are just so enormous that they've changed the course of life and business? You know, everybody's got a different view, I guess, of who the great entrepreneurs are, and it's very hard to compare generation to generation. But since this program's all about entrepreneurs and assisting you to become more successful and to highlight people who achieve great success so that way we may be able to emulate them, I thought I'd have a stab at a few of the great entrepreneurs. So here goes. Now, any list of great entrepreneurs, I guess, couldn't ignore Ben Franklin who was one of the founding fathers of the United States. He was a printer, a politician, a scientist, a musician, an inventor, and a diplomat. He um, invented the lightning rod, bifocals, the Franklin stove, and a whole bunch of other things. Considering it was in the 1700s, I think Ben Franklin is right up there on the list. You've got to say that another extraordinary entrepreneur was Henry Ford. Uh, Henry Ford um, invented the Ford Motor Company. He developed assembly lines and mass production. Now, where would we be without assembly lines and mass production today? And he created the American car industry franchise system that um, we're still living with today, 
than 100 years later. Um, but I think its days are pretty numbered. <laughs> I think we've about run out of that system. But he really revolutionised the um, motor vehicle transport business. I'm going to go for a bit of a um, controversial selection for the next one. And I know that very few of you will agree, but I think Oprah Winfrey has been an extraordinary entrepreneur. She was born into abject poverty in rural Mississippi and at a time when things were extremely difficult for everyone, not just women, but all people of colour, women in particular, Rural Mississippi, I can't imagine what that was like 60 or 70 years ago or whatever. She began radio at 19 and she's become one of the most influential women in history, probably having impact on more women around the world than anyone else in history. She popularised and revolutionised talk shows on television and syndicated programming worldwide. She started her own cable network and now has to be one of the favourites for an Oscar for a role in The Butler. Incidentally, if you haven't seen The Butler, it is phenomenal, and she's great. And I've got to tell you, right off the bat, I'm not an Oprah Winfrey fan, but I think her achievements have been extraordinary. And if, if all of we entrepreneurs are listening, have the intestinal fortitude and the drive that Oprah has, this world would be in a much better place. And she's also a good person, I think. She seems to be a good person. My fourth entrepreneur, one of the great greats of all time in my view, Steve Jobs. An amazing marketer, extraordinary visionary. You know, a lot of people say he wasn't an inventor, but... um, what a visionary. I think in, a, in an iPhone, you think about an iPhone, it replaced something like 16 other devices in one device that is quarter of an inch thick. It's just extraordinary. And I can find out anything I want to know on the whole planet by picking up my phone. I can walk along in the dark and use my torch which is in my phone. I can film things with my phone. I mean, it's just extraordinary. The number of things you can do, I know which way is north, which way is south. I can record music. When you think about what a change the iPhone has made to the world, it's extraordinary. So what did they do? They up and fired him. (laughs) How well did that go? So then what did he do? He goes out and he forms Pixar and revolutionises the way movies are made. I mean, and then Next, I forgot about Next. I mean, what an extraordinary career. He was um, a pioneer of the personal computer revolution and he transformed one industry after another. An amazing guy. From computers to smartphones to music to movies. He changed it all. One guy. Another great entrepreneur is also in the 
car businesses, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff too, but um, Elon Musk is another amazing guy, and he's only just getting started. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine what's in his future. He uh, founded PayPal, developed the person-to-person payment platform, which has re- revolutionised all financial tr- transactions on the planet. You think about how PayPal has changed and all the other financial systems. Well, thank Elon Musk for all that. And that's that's really just amazing. So what did he do? Goes out and found SpaceX, you know, and they're the people who've got the contract to take um, payloads and whatever to the International Space Station. So how do you go from revolutionising the financial system to spaceships? So not only... And that's $1.6 billion. So not only that, but then he um, founded Tesla Motors. And he's an engineer and he (laughs) built the thing by himself. And they're the best car that's ever been made. And they will literally change the way cars are powered, cars look, the way you operate them. And they are outselling Mercedes, BMW, Audi. They're outselling all of them. And a lot of people outside the United States have never heard of Tesla motor cars, but hang around. <laughs> you will. Not only that, he's um, founded Solar City, which is an extraordinary organization on itself. And now he's got the Hyperloop. And he's about 44 years old. I think um, Musk's got to go down as one of the extraordinary entrepreneurs. It's pretty difficult to have a list of entrepreneurs and leave out um, Thomas Edison. So Thomas Edison makes it on my on my list. He um, the phonograph, motion picture camera, the long lasting electric light bulb. He didn't invent the electric light bulb, but he inv- invented the one that hang around <laughs> hung around for a while. He's the fourth most prolific inventor in history. He holds one thousand and ninety three patents. And uh, with patents in the United States, United Kingdom, France, and Germany, you know, he invented the the stock ticker, the mechanical vote recorder, the battery for an electric car, electric power. You know, he invented electric power, built his own power station, which became the Edison a company. He um, recorded music. What would recorded music be like without Edison? And, of course, Mosin Pictures. So he was um, he was an amazing person. And his first power station was on Pearl Street in Manhattan in New York. Another probably controversial one, Ray Kroc. He revolutionised fast food. Opened the first McDonald's in uh, Plains, to Plains, Iowa, Illinois. And uh, build it into the most successful fast food operation in the world. And there isn't anyone in the world, probably, that hasn't had a McDonald's hamburger and possibly regretted it. Um, But um, Croc famously sent Walt Disney a letter saying, could I put a McDonald's in um, Disneyland? And Disney came back and said, only if I can charge almost double for the product and keep the difference. 
And Ray Kroc said to Walt Disney, no, I will not allow you to gauge my customers. So no matter where you go in the world, you can have um, McDonald's hamburger and they're identical no matter where you are, except in India, of course, where there's no beef. So all the McDonald's in here in India are chicken. So add a few more to the list and I'll just go through a couple quickly. Fred Smith, who founded FedEx, we all know that um, when he was at Yale, he wrote the paper on how he would establish FedEx and they failed him because they said that any thesis that anybody put forward had to be practical and doable. So they they failed him. (laughs) Jeez, they got that right. Another one, Walt Disney has to make the list. Of course, I'm a great Disneyland fan. And I think the other person that needs to be recognised is Jeff Bezos, who has totally changed commerce. Uh, he, um, When he set up Amazon, everybody said, the guy is a loony tune. It's not going to work. And I think he's um, he's got every retailer on the planet rethinking how they do business. So... Um, it's the it's the largest retailer in the world on the World Wide Web, and uh, he also owns more warehouse space than any other company on the planet, which is pretty amazing. So I was going to mention a couple of other things. I want to apologise to Apple because two weeks ago I said the Apple, the new Apple, was a disgrace because <laughs> they're insulting us, bringing out coloured iPhones and a new operating system that wasn't probably much different than the last one. And they sold nine and a half million of the things in about five minutes. And it's one of the great success stories of all time. And everybody's raving about how great the new iOS, the new system is. So I have a, an apology to make. It just shows that I'm fallible. I don't make too many mistakes, but that was a ripper. Okay. In a minute, we're going to have an interview, and it is with my son, and I hope you are as impressed with him as I am. This is Bob Pritchard. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business, our 100th show, and it's coming to you live, 5.30 in the morning, well, it's about quarter to six now, from Mumbai in India at the India Retail Forum. Hi, Bob. Glenn Shorrock here. You might remember me. I used to be in Little River Band, plus other groups down here in Australia. I hear your show is going terrifically well, and you've passed the 100 mark. Well done, sir. Go on, you, Bob. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. 
Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Hi, Bob. It's Brian Cook over at London Capital. Congratulations on your 100th show, and I'm looking forward to the next 100. I can hope that they're as good as the last. All the best on the day. Cheers. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We're coming to you tonight from Mumbai in India. That's uh, an extraordinary place. But the reason that I thought I would chat to my next guest is because this show is all about entrepreneurs and about successful business people. And primarily, we speak to people who have already made it. However, it occurred to me that the future of entrepreneurship and business in particular, and the world in general, lies in the hands of our colleges and the highly qualified students that have graduated or about to graduate. It also occurred to me that um, when I was going, going through the early stages of business, and still to this day, I've had mentors that are people that have been successful in business and uh, have come before me and um, you know make mis- have, have made the mistakes that I didn't want to emulate. Today it's all changed because everything, technology is moving so quickly and things are changing so quickly that um, my mentors, and one of my mentors in particular, is my son, Hunter. And uh, I've got him on the line. I just want to talk to him about the way he looks at the world. Hunter Pritchard, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thanks, Dad. Congratulations on your 100th show. I'm really excited to be on today. Thank you. Well, let's, let's start off with education. Now, you've had a great education at George Washington University and, and entrepreneurship at Georgetown, and you've also worked for a couple of excellent companies in your semesters, um, both big and small, both in the United States and in the UK. And you've also attended the Tim Draper Heroes University in Silicon Valley, which is um, a very different style of education. And for those of you who don't know, Tim Draper is the guy who um, coined viral marketing and was responsible for it through um, Hotmail and Skype and Baidu and a number of other things. So my question to you, mate, is does education, either traditional or Tim Draper style, really meet the requirements of today's business? And if so... Which one's better? And if not, why not? It's a fantastic question. Uh, I, I think the education 
uh, institutions and, and both traditional and non-traditional ways of, of teaching are uh, are definitely going to be disrupted in the in the years to come. I mean, we see the rise of MOOCs, and we see that at Harvard Business, um, their MBA program, um, the HBS Harvard Business School, is releasing the entire first year curriculum um, to the entire world online, and we see students from Africa and other places around the world, you know, taking MIT like third and fourth year um, physics classes and, and getting perfect scores on them. And I think. Um, you know, these, these traditional institutions are in for a rude awakening. A lot of these traditional institutions, I guess, not all of them, but a lot of them are going to be disrupting, especially when it comes to business. I mean, just, you learn great things in a, in a traditional classroom setting, working with peers, um, most importantly, learning how to learn and learning how to solve um, problems and learning a lot about yourself. But, you know, you're right that, that you know, some of these business um, programs are um, are going to have a rude awakening. They don't know how to uh, teach the next generation of entrepreneurs and, and leaders, and um, it's definitely evident um, and, and surpri- uh, surprising that a lot of these schools haven't caught on to what is working, um, such as you know the Tim Vapor style. I think there's very much critiques to this. Um, more informal, more um, practical type of of um, education, um, where you know you're learning about futurism and you're learning about design thinking and really practical um, skills that will serve you wonders in the in the workforce. Um, but and also the other kind of skills like learning how to go into the wilderness and survive by yourself for three days. You know, taking resources. Um, and doing something with them and making something of it. And I think that's a really, really good skill that a lot of um, traditional institutions miss because, you know, they're so focused on getting these students into Fortune 500 and companies that you know, may not exist in the future. Um, but there's definitely critiques of the Tim Draper um, style. You know, he's taking a bunch of undergrads from very different walks of life, different, um, different focuses, different um, passions, and bringing them together and trying to build this community. Um, you know, if you took MBAs or higher PhDs and stuff like that that have um, a real focus and, you know, they're, they're interested in whatever it may be and they know they're the leading experts in that industry or that sector or whatever it is and bring them together, I think, you you know, you'd find a lot more success. So Unfortunately, you, someone... Sorry, God. You mentioned um, that um, just in, in that last answer that some of these legacy companies may not exist. Well, I, I'm of the belief that these legacy companies, um, the big traditional 100,000 employee, big monoliths that are slow to react to anything that are not adaptable, that really don't want to change. I, I listened to um, um, Hazlett, who was the um, marketing guy from um, from Kodak, who's, who's brilliant, and he was saying that... Um, you know, they just, the quickest way to kill innovation is take it to a legacy company. So having interned in a large legacy company, are they going to survive or aren't they? Or are they going to be different? I do agree with you. I think a lot of companies will have to have some big decisions to make. I think Kodak's a great example of one strategic decision that just totally defunct the whole company. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think it, it really does depend on industry. 
um, you know, looking at the automobile industry, you know, you're seeing companies like Tesla that's selling 5,000 cars a year, um, have almost a market value of a Ford or a General Motors. That's, that's crazy. And yeah, there's a little bit of weird valuation in the markets and, you know, valuation of a, of a CEO as opposed to actual long-term, um, company. But you know, these little small companies are sprouting up and just totally disrupting an industry. And I think, um, looking at Chrysler's IPO yesterday, attempted it, you know, saying that they're going to IPO yesterday, how are they going to innovate? And, you know, they went through such hard times four years ago, six years ago, you know, what's, what's changed? How are they really going to survive? Um, but I think a great example of a company that was doomed, was, had no future, lost their leader, um, that, you know, blew us all away yesterday. And it's a little bit different because it's a tech company and, you know, they thrive on innovation is Apple. You know, yeah. two weeks ago, people are saying, you know, they're not going to sell 5 million units. Uh, these 5S, 5C are just, you know, silly. And iOS 7, what's the point? I was um, one of, see- <laughs> I was one of those two weeks ago on this program. I said, how dare they insult us by coming out with coloured phones and, and you know, where's the innovation gone? <laughs> they go and sell 7 million of the bloody things. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, they actually, uh, it was 9 million. Their the highest million. analyst expectation was, was like 7.5 and, and the lowest was, I think, 4.5 or 5. And, you know, they just blew it out of the water. And I think companies like Apple that have cash so large that they could literally not release a product for yeah. 10 or 15 years and still be around, those are companies that are going to stay for the long term because they okay. don't have to, you know, come up with silly products that might not sell. They can wait for the next great technology or, you know, the next great leader or, you know, the next Johnny Ives. Well, Johnny Ives is still alive and he's doing fantastic things <laughs> as we've seen with iOS 7 and Apple, but, you know, next great leaders that will bring creativity, bring innovation to these companies. Um, it's just a matter of holding out and making the right strategic decision. It's not quite that simple, is it? Because you, the, your um, stockholders would go absolutely bloody ballistic and, you know, <laughs> probably force the company down anyway, I would reckon. But, okay, let's, let's yeah, get, let's get I, on I to a new topic. Sure. Let's get on to yeah. social media. Um, Twitter generated the Arab Spring. It uh, forced uprisings and organized uprisings right across the Arab world. Um, it also elected Barack Obama. If it hadn't have been for, for um, social media, Barack Obama would not be president today. So how do you see politics changing with the, with the um, increased usage of, of social media? And is it a good yeah. thing or a bad thing? Uh, I think it's a great thing. Um, I think it is really giving power to the people and the populace in some degrees. I mean, I think the Arab Spring that we saw, you know, as you mentioned, Twitter bring thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people um, within hours together to rally against, rally for a cause, basically. Yeah. And yes, we didn't see the long-term stability or the long-term outcome that we wanted, but I think it was a fantastic step and a fantastic uh, realization of the power of some of these tools out there. And I don't think we perfected the system. I think there's um, definitely more uh, things that tech companies can innovate and, and come up with to help in these, these types of you know, power um, struggles and whatnot. But I think 
you know, it, it, it's a fantastic thing. And, you know, we saw this with Obama. If you can't, um, if you can't get on board and you can't figure out how to use these types of um, social media and tools, you know, you're dead in the water. You, you might as well just, you know, get out of um, politics now. I mean, Obama campaign and the Democratic Party has such an amazing um, group of experts that know how to use Twitter and know how to use Facebook, but they also understand analytics and, you know, big data, big, um, you know, learning the, the, the metadata um, is really important. And I think Obama understood it um, and utilized it to its potential. And that's why, you know, we saw him elected twice. Okay, and I I've think a, a lot of these, yeah. I've got, a, I've got a bit of a controversial question to you. This gives power to the people. Is that a good thing? Isn't the average person out there an absolute dimwit that shouldn't even get to vote in the first place rather than get to use Twitter? I'm just throwing that in for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it is a good thing. I, I do believe in the power and the voice that people heard, and I don't, you know, maybe I have more of an optimistic view of people, but, um, you know, there are some dimwits out there that definitely should, you know, a lot of you know we've seen a lot of things with soccer and and other sports with racism and and just silly things that shouldn't be said and I think um, in that regard the power of the people is really silly um, and then another you know negative side of what we're seeing from uh, from social media is you know this this Kenya um, tragedy yes. um, you know we they took over the um, the mall and they were tweeting live updates on what was going on you know, the terrorist group was tweeting live updates yes um, and yeah Twitter shut down four or five different accounts and you know they continue to sprout up because it's so easy to create a Twitter handle and create a, a Facebook account and you know it, it just it's, a, it's an, an ability for these kinds of groups that have more negative um, uh, um, intentions decisions and actions yeah exactly um that they can kind of let their voice be heard in in a higher um, at a higher level, and I think that's dangerous. But then you see the other side that the government's using it to communicate and let people know that everything's okay, the situation is somewhat handled, um, and it's and you know they're going through it the right means. Um, but I don't think it's perfected. Though. Okay, where do you see technology going? Let's let's take media first. Um, th- there's no question that. Um um, technology has absolutely decimated um, the traditional media. And I think you know, one of the amazing things for me yesterday or the day before yesterday was Netflix winning an Emmy. I thought that was just extraordinary. And um, so where, where's media going, do you think? Uh, that's a million-dollar question, I think. I think nobody's figured it out Um to some regard, I mean Netflix. We, I thought we were going to see the, the the fall of Netflix a year ago when they come out, came out with their different pricing plans, and now they're winning Emmys and their and their uh, stock price is at an all time high. Um, but then you you see, um, it, you know, nobody's really figured it out. You know, Apple couldn't figure out how to go about the Apple TV yet. Maybe that's in the future, but you know, they haven't really seen it yet. Um, but you know, I think you're right. You know, traditional media have to come up with something. And, you know, Bezos got out the post. Um, and I think that he, from what I know about him, uh, he's got to have some disruptive idea that's just going to totally change uh, change the industry. Um, you know, I consume, I get about 100 different emails and I consume so many different, so much different content from so many different sources, Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, Post, 
um, economists every day. And not one, not, I don't pick up one piece of paper. You know, I'm looking at my screens, I'm looking at my iPad, I'm looking at all these different things and how, and that's how I get my content. So that, and that's just going to destroy, um, some of these big, typical, traditional media firms. That yeah. being said, traditional media, if you take on, if you take television, you know, television is the highest, um, you know, the highest viewers ever. Yes. And, you know, I thought that was definitely going to be an industry that was kind of done with a few right. years ago with the rise of the internet um, and the rise of Netflix. But television's, you know, still staying strong. And um, I think a lot of the companies and a lot of the ad companies are beginning to figure out. I, I was looking at a uh, an ad from Romania and it was Coca-Cola. The Coca-Cola ad, yeah, fantastic. And, and it was, you know, live tweeting. People were real-time interacting with the television in front of them. They were, um, the ad came up and you could tweet at it and your, your tweet would pop up within seconds. Yeah. That, you know, that real time experience is what people want. And I think a lot of people get that from like the Facebook and the Twitter and a lot of different social media and like online content and such. Um, but having that at your fingertips on your television is just, um, it, it's, it's remarkable. It's, it's changing because even with speakers and I'm in India, um, giving a major presentation today and uh, you know the audience can tweet real time up onto the screen and give you the questions um, instead of you know passing a microphone around and doing all that like we used to do now you can get a live tweet straight up on the screen right through the speech answer questions I mean it's a great way to communicate with people all right what do you, so back on technology again What's what's your the general view? When I was um, at college, we were all concerned about um, Vietnam and and all of those things. And now, what's sort of the the college view of um, government oversight of communication? Like, if you want to be kind and call it that, the, for example, the NSA eavesdropping is that good thing, bad thing? balances the playing field a bit with the bad guys? What do you think? I'm, and and I think this is very respective of the the greater populace and the greater uh, college, collegiate students and and I think even professionals. Um, I I honestly don't think people care. Um, I think, um, you know, Snowden, whistleblower, you know, prism, all these like words are, um, very negative and, and you, uh, people will get really kind of fired up about them. But at the end of the day, people want to be safe. People want to live their lives. They don't want, you know, an, a mall attack in the middle of Manhattan or, or DC or Los Angeles. Yeah. And I think if we, if the government can protect that through the NSA program, that guy, all those, the, just the intelligence community, you know, people don't care. I think, um, the one, Aspect, and I think this is the only real reason that kind of having these conversations now is good is, you know, where does the line get drawn? Where does it become, you know, where, where do we say no to be big brother being, you know, having cameras in our room, you know, like 1984 or, um, you know, where, where does it become enough? But, you know, the FBI after this Snowden thing came out and said that, you know, they stopped 17 or 13 or something like that 
terrorist attacks on our soil because of some of these programs that were just, you know, intercepting tweets and, and text messages and phone calls. And yeah. honestly, I have nothing to hide if the government wants to waste their time and, and pay <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars looking at my silly tweets. Um, that's, you know, all, more power to that. Make them learn a little bit about business, I guess, because that's basically all I tweet about. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't really mind it. Yeah, I think I'm, I I do agree with you. I actually I think that um, the eavesdropping is not bad. It's a bit it's a bit like um, in England where they've got a camera that will take your photograph, you know, five hundred times a day or something. No matter where you go in the UK, they have cameras in the streets. They have cameras everywhere, and I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, um, if they uh, if you're doing if you're doing wrong, if you're a bad guy, they'll catch you. If you're a good guy. Um, there's no need to be afraid. Of course, if you're unless you're a good guy and you know going for a leak behind a tree or something that you know makes it a bit unpopular. So now that bricks and mortar are matching the prices of online retailing, you know there's been a big trend with um, the major retailers now to match online prices because um, people are buying based on price. Um, where do you see this going? I mean, bricks and mortar stores can give you a lot more um, benefit, a lot more added value, a lot more. Um, well, they don't have. I guess they don't have to. But where do you where do you see that trend going? Are, are bricks and mortar stores just going to have to give you a lot more of a wow experience to maintain custom, or do you think people just like shopping? I, I think it's a trend that's going to continue. I think we're going to see a lot of bricks and mortars. Come up, they have to come up with something um, in order to compete with these online retailers, eBay, uh, Amazon, you know, anything online. Um, I think the price matching is a good start, um, but they're, they're, they have to lure customers in and, and have lure, and lure customers in, but also have them purchase in store um, in, in some way. And, and I think there's definitely more innovation to come in that space. Well, social social um, media is actually doing a pretty good job of involving customers when they get into stores. Um, you know, if, mm-hmm. if retailers know how to use it, the tools are there. Uh, I, just had a, I just had another thought that I, I was reading some research that said that um, in the US, 60% of stores could close without affecting your choice or opportunity or access or anything. We're over-retailed to hell. So is it simply going to be a rationalization of um, retail? I, I think so. I think a lot of bricks and mortars are stuck in this, you know, 70s, 80s, boom time American economy where, you know, strip malls were popping up everywhere. And now we're into the tech age. And, you know, we have places like Amazon that I can go and order five books, you know, at 10 a.m. and have it delivered to my doorstep uh, by 5 or 6 p.m. in the evening, and I don't even have to move. You know, yeah, I wait an extra seven hours where I could just walk down the street and go buy the books, but I don't have to get up. I'm paying a cheaper price normally because, you know, Amazon's so um, competitive on pricing. Um, but, you know, I think some bricks and mortars are trying to figure this out. I, last week it came out that, um, like, the Neiman Marcus or, or one of those big, clothing retailers are putting huge tags on their clothing so so uh, individuals aren't you know, buying it, wearing it, and bringing it back. And I think 
that's just one step in the process. Yeah, well, that's always been a big loophole where you can return things. And now that you can buy them online cheap, cheap, cheaply and take them back to a store and get full price for them, you can actually make a profit mm-hmm. on it. Okay. Um, do you think that the world is... I was listening to Simon Mainwaring, who I love to bits, and um, Simon was saying that um, he believes that companies that aren't socially responsible in the future won't survive. So if you're not a socially re- responsible company, your days are numbered. Do you agree with that? Do you think every company is going to have to have a real social conscience and be doing good in the community in order to survive? A hundred percent. I I completely agree with Simon. A great guy, by the way. Yeah, he's um, a good but, guy. Yeah. You know, he. Um, I think he, he. You know, he's one of the leaders in in his space, and I think it, it's very true. I, I think, and that's kind of up my um, alley too. You know, I'm really involved in social um, entrepreneurship um, in DC and kind of um, in other spaces around the country. Um, but I, I think every company needs to figure out this socially responsible. Um, aspect to their business. I think some have, and some are just, you know, I think there's another contention point where we could see companies just completely fall um, because they haven't figured out um, how to, you know, have great human rights in their factories. They haven't figured out how to um, make a difference in the communities that they're in, in the communities around the world. And I think there are some models out there that are getting the conversation going. I think, you know, Tom's is a fantastic example of a company that, an, an idea that is getting this conversation centered around social. Do I think Tom's is doing it the right way? Yep. Not exactly. You know, they're kind of displacing, you know, tip, uh, traditional shoemakers and some of these poor communities and stuff like that. But I think it's getting the conversation started. And I think a lot of these companies are figure, are attempting to figure out, Google being one of them, you know, bringing... Um, yeah, uh, internet to Africa, absolutely fantastic. Balloon, like yep. that's socially responsible. That's making a difference. And yeah, it's going to help their bottom too. line down the. Yep. Zuckerberg is another one with the the code uh, code.org. I yep. think that's that's the future, and that's he's, brilliant. he's worked yep. it out, and he um, is doing great things. And I think another one is Sheryl Sandberg with Lean In. I think you know that socially responsible aspect and trying to educate um, just individuals in whatever sector they're in. That, that's just phenomenal. Okay, last question. Um, who are the entrepreneurs? Who's, your, who's the entrepreneur that you admire the most? <laughs> this is uh, five years ago, Steve Jobs. Yep. Now, you know, it's the next Steve Jobs. It's, it's Elon Musk, Tesla. I agree. Um, yep. CEO, you know, CEO of SpaceX. I don't know how he, you know, balances the two companies now, but well, he's got crazy. three. Um, he's got, you know, he founded. Sorry. he's got um, uh, the um, Solar Solar City as well. Yeah, okay. chairman of Solar City he's and he's founder of PayPal. He is incredible. I agree. Um, who's the Who's the political figure that you admire? Political figure. <laughs> I say no one. No, I'm just kidding. I can pick one. Um, I would say Clinton, Hillary Clinton. Um, you know, she's out of politics now, and I think she's getting, hopefully getting a, a little bit of a, a break and uh, refreshing herself for um, what is to come. But I think um, just with how she's handled herself since being out of office um, and out of the government sphere and, and kind of 
voicing her opinion where where it matters because she's such an influential role just in U.S. politics and in the world politics that I think she carries so much weight and so much power that she's done a very good job of still healing herself even though she's out of the, the spotlight. Okay. I think it's also... Celebrity. She's all, yeah. Celebrity. Uh, celebrity. I would say Miley Cyrus probably. <laughs> I know I that's like a cause of this one over the last few years or for a few months, sorry. Um, but I think, you know, she's uh, an individual that knows who she wants to be, knows what she her knows what she is now and kind of understands this how she can get to where she wants to be. And I think she's done a lot of thinking about who and where she needs to place herself in the future in order to just kind of stay relevant and you know, all her little twerking and stuff like that, I don't think it really mattered. I think, her, you know, her fan base is still the same. You know, she got a little, she got a lot of publicity, and I think yes. it was negative, but I think it was good publicity that will really help her in the future. And um, she needed to get out of that, like, Disney um, spotlight and become her own person, and That's I think she the, did a great job yeah, of that. It's what the business is about. Hunter Pritchard. Thanks for being on the show. I am so proud to be your dad, and for all of you listening, I Think, I think you can probably see why. He's um, not only intelligent, and uh, but he's been a, a sensational son. You couldn't ask for more. And I will be back with more of the Bob Pritchard radio show from Mumbai in just a minute. Look forward to seeing you, mate. Thanks, Dad. Hi, Bob. It's Tina Jordan from L.A. in California, the Playboy Playmate, Miss March 2002. Wow, I just wanted to say I love your show, and I can't believe it's at 100th already. 100th anniversary, almost as old as half. (laughs) So I just wanted to say congratulations, and I hope you have 100 more to come. I love you, and I'm so excited I got to meet you. And I just cannot wait to hear more shows that are going to come from you. Happy birthday. Hello. This is Mike Scooter Magruder, former New England Patriots, San Francisco 49er, and Super Bowl participant. I just wanted to reach out and congratulate Bob Pritchard for his 100th show, doing such amazing things in international business, as a business speaker, selling top books, and being around the world with this radio show that has done the 100 show. Congratulations, Bob. Keep it up. I want to see you again and talk to you again on that next 100 show. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's Bob at BobPritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, No Bullshit Business Radio Show. And we're coming to you from the wonderful Renaissance Hotel in Mumbai in India, where I'm presenting a keynote presentation later today at the absolutely extraordinary India Retail Forum. I've done this event. Um, several times before, and the dramatic changes in in retail and in the it, it's it's just extraordinary. And as I mentioned earlier, 
2,500 delegates from all the major companies in the world, 175 people were speaking and on panels, and uh, it's it's an amazing event. I wanted to thank um, some of the people that sent uh, congratulations. There's a bunch that um, I didn't get to air, but uh, Glenn Shorrick, who was um, the lead singer of the Little River Band, has been a friend of mine for 40 odd years. You'll probably remember him from Happy Anniversary, Baby, Got You on My Mind, or something like that. And uh, Glenn, fantastic. I mean, they were one of the biggest super groups in the world. Brian Cook from London Capital, who is a friend of mine and, a, and an advisor and a, just a sensational guy, lives in Switzerland in a fantastic place. Tina Jordan, who um, was Hugh Hefner's living girlfriend at um, the Playboy Mansion, who is very smart chick, great, great lady, and Scooter Magruder, a football legend from the New England Patriots, who's also a fantastic guy. I want to thank each and all of you very much. I really appreciate it. Um, now, it's great to be broadcasting from India because this segment of the of the show is um, applies to everybody around the world, no matter where you are. Um, I find that, um, you know, the questions I get asked here in India are exactly the same questions I get asked in Los Angeles or anywhere else. So, um, you know, small business and uh, entrepreneurs all have the same issues everywhere on the planet. And, uh, you know, the world's getting smaller and smaller and the technology you know, we're, we're in a country that um, many people have regarded for a long time as, as almost a third world country now, certainly one of the two countries that are going to be dominant in the world, and uh, it is really happening. And, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of these countries are ahead of us and what we're doing in the United States, and... Um, Anyway, my first my first email comes from I'm only going to get one email in, but my first email comes from Etienne Fontaine from Quebec City in Quebec, Canada. Etienne's email says, "Bob, I really enjoy your show and listen to it live every week before I go to bed. It gives me an opportunity to think about the advice, how the advice you can give us can work in our business and for our clients. Keep up the good work. Can you give me some advice on how to plan a social media program?" Well, dear Eddie Ann, do you have a pen and paper handy? Take some notes here. Eight simple to follow, you know, really well-defined steps that'll, that'll help you connect with your customers, build relationships with them, which is the critical thing today, and uh, compel them to take action and buy from you, which is also important. Firstly, you've got to understand what's involved. You've got to and secure an internal buy-in by you, by people in your in your organisation. So if you don't believe it, they won't. And you've got to forecast. You've got to make sure you've got the um, required resources and your costs covered because it's not as cheap and it's not as easy as it seems. Secondly, you've got to know your market. You've got to know your customers and your competitors, and this is also critical, and find out exactly what's being said about both you and your competitors online. Now, it, 
it's really important to know your competitors. I mean, I often say to people, the first thing you've got to do every day is go to your competitor's website and have a look at your competitor's website. And people think that's funny. But unless you know what your competitors are doing, you don't know how to react. You don't know what you need to be doing. You don't know what they're planning. So first thing in the morning, every day, you should just get online and find out exactly what your competitors are doing. Because, you know, and I know cases where people people have actually put up their plans accidentally and it's been a couple of days before they've, you know, realised and gone, oh, hell, I've got to get them down. And by that time, the story's out. But if you're not looking at their websites, you don't pick those things up. And a lot of the, the plans that people have that are secret, they um, let drop in little ways with, you know, just their next sales conference. If you go through their next sales conference and look at um, their, um, their agenda, you can often pick up one hell of a lot of information from that. Thirdly, Devise a strategy and work out how you're going to measure the success of, of your campaign. You need to carefully select the vehicle you're going to use or probably the vehicles you're going to use because you need a mix of vehicles. Fourthly, I'm hurrying a bit because it's been a pretty full program. So um, make sure that you prepare your team Every member of your team's got to be on the page. They've got to understand your corporate policy. They've got to understand best practices. You know, you, you probably need to train them. And one of the things that's sadly lacking in too many businesses is training. Training's critical. We, we have to spend more time training our people because, you know, we're in a highly high-technology um, environment these days and, and it's it's difficult for people we've got to make sure that they thoroughly understand everything about business. Fifth, prepare your launch with an you know, it, it's got to be impactful It's got to, people are going to go wow and you've got to engage people and you've got to inspire your target audience to get on and connect with you Sixth, you need to motivate your audience by boosting that your, your fan advocacy and make peer sharing easy and desirable. Seventh, evaluate your results. You know, you, you, unless you measure, you can't control and you can't improve. Continue to be creative. You've got to optimise your efforts to ensure that you've, you've got ongoing success, not just a short-term wow. And finally, make sure you plan for all eventualities. Nothing ever goes the way that you think it's going to go. Make sure you've addressed the strategy for handling any potential problems that come up and have ideas for capitalising on unexpected positive successes. Etienne, I hope that's a help to you. We'll send you out an autographed copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition. We hope that you really enjoy it. Now, let me remind you, if you've missed any of the shows that we've brought you since 2011, then you can go to Voice America Business Archives and listen to any of the shows in the literally 167 or whatever it is, interviews with the top movers and shakers from America and beyond. 
I hope you've enjoyed the 100th episode of the show, which has been brought to you from the Indian Retail Forum at the Renaissance Hotel in Mumbai. I'd like to thank all my friends for the kind words. I'd like to thank the people of India for being such fantastic hosts. And thanks for listening to the 100th Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Business Radio Show for Entrepreneurs. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at the same time. This is Bob Pritchard. A last thank you to my son, Hunter. And I hope you have a fantastic week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.